I asked Alan, I had never heard that song before, and I asked him why he chose it, and he said it speaks to the faithfulness of God to us, and that the the word this morning from the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. As the Lord is faithful to us, we're invited to be faithful to others. Um, Let me give you a story. Between services, I talk to people, and someone, this this is with permission, Um, a woman who is going through a significant season because of betrayal from spouse, uh, wanted to chat, and we talked and we prayed, and then um, she asked if she could make a comment about the first service sermon. I said, sure. She said, can I give you an example of how in the midst of loss and betrayal and pain, I'm trying to be faithful? I said, sure. So now remember, we're trying to be faithful. God is faithful. We're trying to be faithful. One of the fruit of the Spirit, faithfulness. So last night after, I think, work, it was late, she went to a grocery store and picked up groceries, and then she noticed when she went back to her car that there were two bags of peas that were not charged. She did not pay for them. She said, you know, Walmart's big. They got lots of money. It's cold. It's dark. Can I just go home? But she was tugged on by the Holy Spirit. So she went back in. She didn't say a word to the the checker, just paid for it or did electronically, I don't know which. And she walked back out. And I wonder what would have happened if she had spoken to a checker and said, you didn't charge me for two bags of peas. And I've come back into the store to pay for two bags of peas. What would the checker have thought? That's an example of faithfulness. Someone who is consistently, intentionally, courageously doing that which is right. Acting like Jesus. I'm going to read the story with you from Matthew chapter 25. And I'd like to just read it and then ask you to talk back to me. What do you see about faithfulness in Matthew 25, 14 through 30? Let me give you a quick background for the story because it's very interesting. So Matthew 24 and 25 are the words spoken by Jesus one week before he died. So what you have here is, um, I forgot, I just forgot. Oof. I want to express sympathy to Katie and Jesse Peterson and to their family. Uh, Jesse's dad, uh, Katie's dad died unexpectedly yesterday. And so we would just ask you to be mindful of them and hold them in your thoughts and your prayer. Let's pray for them right now. Lord, we pray for Katie and Jesse and their children and the, the whole family, the Banstra family. We pray that you be close and present to them in this uh, shocking and painful moment of time. We thank you, Lord, that they are women and men and boys and girls whose roots run deep in you. And so we pray your blessing as they bear much fruit in this difficult moment of time. We thank you that you go ahead of the way. You lead us through death to life. And we thank you that there's always hope through Christ, whose name we pray. Amen. Thank you.
So I'm going to go through Matthew 25, 14 through 30, and I'm going to, I'd like to come into the congregation and just ask you, what do you think about faithfulness from this passage? Because it might surprise you. Matthew chapter 25, beginning at verse 14. Again, I'll be like a man going on a journey. Again, speaking of the kingdom of God. Jesus is talking about the kingdom one week before he should die. Who going on a journey, who called his servants, entrusted his wealth to them. Entrusted his wealth to them. To the one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. So look at the phrase, entrusted his wealth to them, and the phrase, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gave five bags more. So also one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with him. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew I have harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Notice the question mark. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it with interest. So he took the bag of gold from him and gave it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness while they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. People of God, this is the word of God. So what do you think about the story? Where do you see faithfulness? Where do you see faithfulness? Where do you see faithfulness? Louder? Handling the money. Let's talk about that a second. Thank you, Diane. Let's talk about this money a second. This could surprise you. This is from a commentary by a guy named uh, Matt Woodley and Matthew. Listen to this. The master gave talents to each of his three buddies, his servants. Five talents, three, and one. In case you think the master gypped the guy with one talent, keep in mind that the talent was the greatest unit of money in Jesus' day. So one denarius was a day's wage. One talent equaled 10,000 denarii, which means that one denarii is 10,000 days' work. So the guy who got one talent, he was given $1.8 million. The guy that had two talents, 3.6 
million dollars. And the five talent? Nine million dollars. Hmm. So, you're faithful with money. What else? What else? What else in the passage? Talk to me. Ooh, it's not how much we have, it's what we do with it. Did you catch that? He said he gave them according to their abilities, and he says, well done. That's really good. Somebody else. What's, what do you see? What do you see? Where's faithfulness? Yes, Connie. Ooh, faithfulness and craziness are contrasted. That's interesting. Thank you, Connie. Somebody else. Yes, Deb. The one sort of feared him. Did you catch the different opinion, observations, relationships of the two servants to the master compared to the one? Kathy? When you practice your talents, they multiply. Okay, good. What else? Faithfulness. Talking faithfulness. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, joy. Faithfulness. Monica? He, he entrusts us. Okay, very good. What else? A couple more. Faithfulness. What do you see? Okay, let me tell you. Let me, let me, I'm going to mess with you this morning, so heads up. So these five, so Jesus in chapters 24 and 25 is the Olivet Discourse. He is telling his disciples what is to come. In the first part of chapter 24, he describes what is going to come when the king returns a second time. And after some descriptions, he goes into four specific parables. And one of these parables is the talents, one that we're reading right now. Now, this, this is the question I want to ask you because this is a hidden gem in here, and someone already brought it up. What is critical is the servant's opinion of the master. Now watch it, watch it. So two of them, now think, think about this now. In this day and age, servants could have an, an ongoing relationship with their, the word is kurios, Lord, owner, master. They have a relationship. The first two see the master as what? Generous, extravagant, really good. And they receive the gifts from this good, good father, first song. And they took them and did what? They used them. What did the second, third one do? Oh, what do you see? You notice? He asked the question. I heard you were mean and I heard you were hard and so I hid the money. And Jesus is strong with him. Why? Why? So go back again. Listen to this sentence. I've used this many times over the past years. A.W. Tozer, John Calvin, many, many scholars since. A person's opinion of God is the single most important thing about them. How you think about God drives how each of us lives. So two of them saw Jesus, the master is what? full of extravagant good gifts. He's given me $1.8 million. He's given me $3.6 million. The first two go, wow, wow. What do they do with it? They are faithful and they expand it. But the other guy has his opinion of Jesus. Ooh, he's a butt kicker. He gets really, really angry. He knows if I don't do good, he's gonna, do you see the difference? So let me ask you this question. What is your picture of your God? How you relate 
to the Lord drives how we live. So when it comes to faithfulness, what you have is two of the three are thinking, you know what? The Lord will give me what I need. The Lord will give extravagantly. So let's imagine you are the Banstras, Katie, Peterson, and family. And I don't know if I have the story exactly right, because I just got a phone call. My understanding was Katie's dad died while doing chores. Just fell over dead of a heart attack. So if you were Katie and your family this morning, and I, and I was talking to you, and I asked you this question, what would you say? So Katie, your dad has a relationship with Jesus. Katie, what is your father's salvation worth? How much is it worth? All of a sudden, when somebody dies, there's all kinds of stuff that just gets pushed to the side. When your son dies at 27, your image of God is really, really important. And my image is of a good shepherd. And so the good shepherd is the one who walks us through the valleys of the shadow. What's your image of God? How do you want, is he a good God who gives good gifts? Now I'll come back to our sentence. Word filling plus spirit filling leads to fruit bearing. Who's your God? So two of them have this generous, awesome, loving, extravagant God. And they're going, yes, I'll, I'll be faithful with what you give me. And the other one goes, no way. I'm not going anywhere with it. Let me look at this a second. Slide four. Let me describe what faithfulness is in the Bible. Faithfulness is regularly connected to love. And the word for love used in the Old Testament is hesed. It's covenant-keeping love. So the song that Alan had us learn this morning or begin to sing is about a God who keeps covenant in the fires, in the waters. The God who keeps that hesed, never-ending, covenant-keeping love. When Jesus died, the night before he died, he took a cup and he held it up and said, this cup is the new covenant in my hesed. My covenant-keeping love. Faithfulness in the Bible is almost always close by love. So we who are called to be little Christs are women and men, boys and girls, who are receiving love from Jesus. But it depends on what you understand your God to be. See, if he's mean and he's a cop, he's a school teacher who's angry, not a school teacher who's gracious and kind, but one who's angry, who does a mean parent and absent, all, all, those, all those images, that affects everything. So how, how do we live a life of faithfulness out of love, unless we know who our God is. So who's our God? He is, how is he with you and me? He is steadfast. He, will, he promised he would never leave us nor forsake us. He is steadfast. He is consistent. Oh, you're just a loser this week. Man, you are screwing up. You know what? I'm going to send you cancer because you're just a bunch of losers. No. He is consistent. His love never fails. His love never ends. He is dependable. He is integrous. And our God is courageous. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. But how much courage did that take? Jesus was faithful. As you cultivate the things of God, what happens to us? We start to develop his character. And his character includes faithfulness. 
So let me just give you a couple, couple of things I think just mess us up. Uh, slide five. What, what distracts, what holds us back from being a faithful woman, a faithful man? This is what I observe. I've used the first two regularly. Distraction and disorientation. It is difficult, I think, to remain faithful when we are constantly being distracted by so many things. And I find in the midst of distraction, there is the level of disorientation. Let me tell you a story from last week. I didn't tell you this, this service. Talk about distraction, disorientation. I'm now wearing trifocals. And so when I do this, I can't see my notes. So I'm trying to see my notes. So I'm doing this, right? So we're in Milwaukee taking care of grandchildren. Uh, Kyle was playing in Paris and Juliet was with him. So we are in Milwaukee taking care of three grandkids, seven, five, and three. And it's been an adventure. And I said to him, if you're really good, on Friday, we'll go to Barnes and Nobles and Grandpa will buy you a book or a game. Oh, that was great. So they were really great, right? So it's Friday night, it's a snowstorm in Milwaukee. We're going to go to Barnes and Nobles. So we go up there to the second floor where all the games and stuff is. And we're doing our thing and we're going to go home. And so I'm heading down to, I'm going to pay. And as I'm, going, I'm talking distraction, disorientation, trifocals. I'm going down the escalator and our three-year-old, about 20, 15 steps up. Grandpa! <laughs> Grandpa! He goes like this. You know where this is going, don't you? <laughs> By the time I got done, I had a hole in my pants, and I had, if you look at here, still got it. <laughs> now, I tell you this story, because that's how we're living today. We are distracted and disoriented, and we're falling on our faces. And it's difficult to bear the fruit of the Spirit when I'm so distracted and so disoriented. Well, let me add disposability. I have an iPhone 7. They program my phone to last just a couple years. It's disposable. We're living in a culture when relationships are disposable. Commitments are disposable. Whatever, disposable. How do we remain faithful when we are disoriented, distracted, and we're disposing? And we have one who says to us, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Do you believe it? And if your image of God is a good, good father, in the midst of whatever life is, you can say, Lord, would you help me, help me, help me cultivate the fruit of the Spirit? This week, I met with someone, I'm going to well, hopefully unpack it in the fall of 2020. This lady is an amazing horticulturist. So she sat down with me, and in a half hour, she shared with me all kinds of stuff, and my urban brain could hardly keep up. But she said something that struck me, so listen to this. She showed me pictures of a lady in Arizona who has this flourishing backyard, flourishing, all kinds of plants and beautiful flowers and all this stuff. 
She said, do you see all this? I said, yes. She said, where is this located? Arizona. You know how often this woman waters this garden? Twice a year. Help me, help me. He goes, watch. This woman spent years preparing the soil under the ground. And all that preparation under the ground has created a soil bed where beautiful plants and flowers can flourish and they only need to be watered twice a year. Do you follow the analogy? As we cultivate a relationship with Jesus, as we put down roots, as we develop these deep, deep places of connection, the soil of our lives becomes open and tender so that the seeds the Holy Spirit plants can grow. How about this one? Being committed to and focused on the wrong things and people. It goes back to the first one. Can you imagine being the Petersons this morning? How quickly their lives have changed. If you were not having a relationship with Jesus, and many of you know how this goes, how do you deal with death and loss if you have no relationship with Christ? What do you do? So let me remind you what happens. And I'm going to go to a different, get ready to go slide number seven, please, Jim. So I'm going to go now, I'm going to go talk about what his response, the master's response. So I'm going to use the death of Katie's dad this way. Pretend, instead of using the word dead, like we use in America today, the New Testament word is they're asleep. So what happens to those who are asleep? Can I have slide seven, please, Jim? What did the master say to two of the, of the, of the servants? Filled with Praise. What did he give? More responsibility. And there was joy. So let me talk about a little bit one more time what happens when a believer dies. So, not dies, falls asleep. Can you imagine what it's like if you were a follower of Jesus when you open your eyes and you see Jesus for the first time physically? So let me give you a word picture. Imagine a granddaughter, three years old, who sees grandpa. And what does she do? What's going to happen when you open your eyes and see Jesus? A, someone with a body is going to greet you see, the two of these guys understood that. Jesus said, the day is coming when you are going to receive praise. Maybe not in this life. In the life to come, you'll receive praise. Then what? More responsibility. You had five, I'll give you five more. You had two, I'll give you two more. What is that about? Remember what I told you years ago when I taught on the, on the, on the life to come. We don't sit in a church service forever. There is praise and worship and all that, absolutely. But you have responsibilities. L listen to this. Let's listen to this. This is the crazy thing about what we believe. How you are wired here 
will be how you are wired perfectly in heaven. In the new heaven and new earth, what, what, what you love to do, how you've been created to live, that will be on steroids forever. What did Jesus say? You're going to reign and rule with him. What does that mean? There's things to do. It's, it's not like, oh, we're at the 7,476 verse of amazing grace. When is this song going to ever end? It's that and more. So Jesus said, those who are faithful with five, watch now, five on this earth, I'll give you more. Those are faithful with two, I'll give you more. How much more? 1.8 million times two. 1.8 million times five. Extravagant opportunities for responsibility and meaningful, gainful, whatever that is. And what's the last thing? There's joy. There's joy. Forever joy. And Jesus said to the two of the three, you got it. That's right. You got it. And the other one, oh, you're just a mean guy. And what happens to him? No praise. No responsibility. No joy. How about this? How do we do it? Slide six. Can I just make some things I've tried to say several times recently? The first I've used every week, remain, abide in Jesus. And I, and I, I used the example of the Cranbrinks a couple weeks ago. Let me use it again. When Steve and Deb's Heather and Stephen, Eric and Patrick's dad grandpa was dying. I suggested that what they do as he was dying is read the scriptures out loud. And they found that to be such a meaningful exercise. Hearing the words of Jesus. Just reading the words. Interesting, the person who's dying hears those words, I believe. I think that's what we think. Even in comas. But the people who are vibrant and alive, hear those words. Watch. Word-filling, spirit-filling, fruit-bearing. So however you're wired, you've got to figure out how is it the words of Jesus can be part of my life. John 15, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, all kinds of promises. So however you're wired, figure out how do the words come in. And then add the next one, spirit filling. Why? Because we leak. Holy Spirit, fill me. Fill me, fill me, fill me. You know what happens? We bear fruit. How about this? Keep our commitments. In a disposable culture, St. Paul said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. How about this? Tell the truth. So let me tell the truth about me one more time. This has made the internet world happy. Let me tell you about your pastor, this pastor. So Luann Heatbrink has taken our staff through the Enneagram. So we're, I'm going to tell the truth about me. And why is it important? Because when I tell the truth about me, I move to places of evaluation and accountability. I'm tying these two together. So in the Enneagram, I'm a three. And a three is X and Y and Z. When a three is not healthy, there are three words to describe a three. Deceiver, imposter, and fearful. Let me tell you about me. 
Deceiver. Deceiver meaning I don't even know what I feel. Threes are unaware of what they feel. But they're mindful, of, they may be mindful of what others feel. They are totally unable to feel. That's why we have to do things like be addicted to sex and drugs and other experiences because we want to feel something. So I'm a deceiver. I'm an imposter. What's an imposter do? An imposter reads the room, reads the setting, and does whatever is needed to impress those people. I'm an imposter. And I'm fearful. I fear people. I'm afraid of people more than I fear I reverence God. So now you know, one of your pastors is a deceiver, is an imposter, isn't fearful. So our staff knows this, and now we can have conversations, and they can say to me, so is this an imposter? Are you trying to please? Are you living with fear? What are you fearful of? And all of a sudden, you move to depths of truthfulness because there is honesty, accountability, and evaluation. Why is that important? Because when you know me and accept you for who I am, I can take the risks of choosing to cultivate the fruit of faithfulness. Well, I've talked too much. How about slide eight? Could you talk with each other? So could you take some of these things that we've looked at together? So my question or my phrase is, faithfulness can enable us to flourish in exile in post-Christendom as winsome little Christ. So if you're willing and if you choose, could you respond to this question? Where might the Lord Jesus be calling you to share the spiritual fruit of faithfulness this week? Slide four, what is faithfulness? Faithfulness is steadfastness, consistency, dependability, integrity, and courage. If you'd like to share this with someone close by, please do. If you don't, do something else. And your marks get set, go.
how about a couple of people talk back? I just, I sat with Vicky, and Vicky said something I thought was kind of interesting. So she looked at the third servant, the one, the one talent servant who had $1.8 million, and she, her comment was, how she saw God, could that have been how she actually saw herself? Not generous, not kind, stingy, uh, angry. What do you think about that? Does how we see God somehow parallel how we see ourselves? That's an interesting thought, isn't it? Thank you, Vicki. Somebody else, what, what's faithfulness? What's, 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 what's wrestling? Yeah. So slide four again. So, so how about Randy just said, it's to be consistent. I'm, I'm okay where I am today. I'm, I'm content where I am. So faithfulness is I'll live where I am. So what did St. Paul say? I've learned to be content, whether in plenty or in want. So in that context, he chooses to be faithful. Is that kind of close? Okay. Somebody else? Yes, Kathy. Okay, so the culture can say if you're not happy with something or someone, just walk away. And that's different than what this, this fruit of faithfulness is. A couple more? Just say, anybody? Yes, Mike. So Mike was echoing joy. The more we give, the more we receive. Is that what you're saying? The more, so the more love we give, the more love we receive. No, is it interesting? Love is the only currency that the more you spend, the more you obtain. The more love you give, the more love you have. Think about that. When well, those who have kids, when the first baby comes, you think, "Well, I love this baby." Next baby, how do I love the next baby? How am I going to love the next baby? Our grandkids. The love just keeps coming. Adopt kids. Love comes. Yeah. One more. Anybody? One more. Faithfulness. Yep. Sharing each other's loves and sorrows. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Anybody else got something from the Lord? Then we'll uh, I'll pray and we'll be done. Yep. Eric. Eric says, courageously believing God is who he says he is. I want to reinforce this one more time. Thank you, Eric. Your, your, your understanding of who God is just critical. We keep trying to embrace who is this one who loves us so deeply, intimately. May that grow. I'll end with this, though. I want you to think about the day you stand before Jesus. If you're a follower of Christ, I want you to imagine a honking welcome home. Can you imagine that? You're standing before the King of kings and Lord of lords. And he is so glad to see you. Can you just imagine that? He's going to say, well done, good job. And you can imagine him saying, oh, I got things for you to do.
And then imagine this, joy, 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 joy to the world. The Lord has come. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, would you lead and guide us? Could you pray for yourself in any place where you might be called to be faithful this week? In a relationship or with a person, a situation? Would you ask the Lord to bring something to mind to your attention? Where is he calling you to be faithful? Could you pray for any persons that might be in that place, situation with you? Would you pray in advance? The Holy Spirit's going ahead. I'll give you opportunities to be faithful. Would you ask the Holy Spirit to fill you up right now? We bless you, Lord, that you are living hope. We honor you, we thank you, we praise you, now and forever. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Would you please stand for our last song?